open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy forgiveness. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. The first lesson for this Wednesday Vespers of Reminiscere is written in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the fourteenth verse. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, You men of Judea and all you who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. Let all the house of Israel therefore know certainly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. There were added that day about three thousand souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread and prayer. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of the first epistle of St. Peter, 
beginning at the 8th verse. Brothers, finally, all of you be like-minded, compassionate, loving as brothers, tender-hearted, courteous, not rendering evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who will harm you if you become imitators of that which is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Don't fear what they fear, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, with humility and fear, having a good conscience. Thus, while you are spoken against as evildoers, they may be disappointed who curse your good way of life in Christ. For it is better, if it is God's will, that you suffer for doing well than for doing evil. Because Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who before were disobedient, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ship was being built. In it few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. This is a symbol of baptism, which now saves you, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Small Catechism, Holy Baptism, the Second Part What does baptism give or profit? It works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are such words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices, that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? For it was very big. Looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. Entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. He said to them, Don't be amazed. You seek Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, He goes before you into Galilee. 
There you will see him, as he said to you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come on them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, when he had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they disbelieved. After these things he was revealed in another form to two of them as they walked on their way into the country. They went away and told it to the rest. They didn't believe them either. Afterward he was revealed to the eleven themselves as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they didn't believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into the world and preach the good news to the whole creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who disbelieves will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new languages, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will in no way hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." So then the Lord, after he had spoken to them, was received up into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word by the signs that followed. Amen. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, we addressed the question, what is baptism? Truthfully, though, it's not difficult to convince a group of confessional Lutherans that baptism is the gospel, that it's Christ's invitation, or that it's Christ's work. The response from Lutherans that baptism is the gospel is usually, yes, we know. So as a Lutheran pastor, I don't usually get asked by laity, what is baptism? Rather, the question I often get from laity is this, is baptism necessary? That is, you understand, yes, baptism is the gospel. Yes, it is a gift from God and does all that God promises to do. But what so many ask is, is it still necessary for salvation? And most Lutherans, I find, are wanting to say that it is necessary, but they're afraid to do so because of all the exceptions that come to mind. The babies of Christian parents who die in miscarriage, the adult convert who dies on the way to church to be baptized, those kind of exceptions. And listen to the scriptures today. From Acts, Peter says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, from Peter, in 1 Peter, Baptism now saves you. 
From the gospel, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, so says our Lord. All the scriptures here say baptism is necessary. And yet, we live in a post-Reformation church with many divisions and different doctrines. In America, we breathe the Protestant air of many denominations who proclaim baptism is just a symbol, who see nothing in baptism, who put it off or neglect it altogether. So that even with all the scriptures and all the church fathers around us, when we ask, is baptism necessary for salvation, we become uncomfortable with any answer that comes to mind. So the question, is baptism necessary for salvation? To answer this with any certainty, we need to know that baptism actually does something and what the benefits of it are. And that's what we confess, that baptism does do something. And our small catechism answers from the scriptures what the benefits are. It says, baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. So the first thing we confess there is that baptism works forgiveness of sins. And we think as Lutherans, of course, it's gospel. Forgiveness of sins and baptism should be obvious. But we often fail to meditate on how baptism forgives sins. And to this, St. Peter says baptism saves not by the removal of the filth from the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension. That is to say, baptism is the antidote to sin. And to be more specific, baptism is the cure for original sin. Now understand that our bodies and our souls are entire person. That was created by God. That's what we received from him. The, his creation is good. But original sin is what we receive from Adam. Where in Adam's sin, the bodies and souls which God created are corrupted. In original sin, the word and spirit of God is rejected in Adam's fall. And all relationship with, with God is destroyed by man in sin. The image of God that we're created in was lost in the fall marred and disfigured and disordered. Wherein original sin, our hearts have been so corrupted, our eyes so blinded, that we on our own could not recognize God, could not recognize God for who he is. And we on our own cannot even recognize who we are in original sin. That we are creatures in need of our creator, sinners in need of a savior. We're corrupted and in need of being made holy. It's easy to see this corruption of original sin today. Look around you. People are blinded and unsure of even who they are and what they are. They're blinded to what this creation is. They're blinded to even who God is. So deep is the corruption in our nature and in creation that we cannot even begin to imagine what life would be like without this corruption or what it will be like on the last day after this corruption is put away. A perfect world to our imagination is unfathomable, despite how many philosophers and politicians try to reason it or create it themselves. God's answer to that corruption, to original sin, is baptism. That's the antidote. Baptism is the medicine of immortality over the disease of sin and death. Without baptism, 
We all remain sons of Adam in sin. And from that, there is no escape, there is no cure, except the waters of baptism. However, Jesus is not himself a son of Adam. He's the seed of the woman, the son of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, so that Jesus came directly from the Father in heaven and assumed our flesh, so that in him there is no corruption. Which means the waters of baptism are the cure to original sin in this way. We who are branches are cut off from the dead vine of Adam and are grafted onto the living vine of Christ. In the waters, we as branches are there grafted into Christ who hangs on the cross. On the cross where all our sin and death are assumed into him who dies for us. And as branches, we are grafted into him who rose from the dead. We're grafted into the vine which came back to life and reaches the heights of heaven. We are grafted into him who died once for all and who will never die again. We have been cut off from the dead vine of Adam. We have been grafted onto the vine which is eternally alive now and has no corruption. That's the cure. That's what happens in baptism. It actually happens in baptism. This is God's work. This is God's promise. Baptism is not just a symbol of salvation. But baptism is God's covenant of salvation with us in Christ. In Christ, where for now, in this life, grafted into him, the original sin itself, it hasn't been removed yet. What's been removed is the guilt and punishment. Those have been washed away. Where for now, in this life, we wait for the resurrection, where we will be raised in new, uncorrupted bodies in the image of Christ, crucified with his righteousness and glory and his life eternal. Baptism is the cure. It's the antidote to original sin. And so we always need our baptism. Not to be baptized multiple times, but we need that, that reality of baptism continually in our lives. Until finally it cures us completely of all corruption on the day of resurrection. That is what we mean and confess when we say baptism works forgiveness of sins. It washes us now. It's the antidote to sin now and will remove all sin from us on the day of resurrection. And we also confess baptism rescues from death and the devil. That is, baptism forgives our sins to the end that it brings us into the body of Christ, into the church. That's where we're rescued. In baptism, we go from being sons of the devil to sons of God, from slaves of the devil to slaves of God, from the kingdom of the devil into the kingdom of God. We go from death and the devil to life in Christ. To be rescued from death and the devil means we are saved by Christ crucified. It is to confess that Christ is our Redeemer and Savior, paying the price for our sin and saving us from the oppression of Satan and the punishment of death. And saying that baptism is our entrance, or you could say initiation, into the church does not mean that baptism stops its work after we enter the doors. No, in fact, we just heard how baptism continually washes and forgives us until the resurrection. 
In baptism, we enter the body of Christ, that is the church. And there, baptism makes the body of Christ our fortress. It makes the body of Christ our sure defense against all the attacks of the flesh, the world, and the devil. So that when I preach, stay in your baptism, what I mean is, stay in the body of Christ, which means stay in the church, stay in the gathering of the saints, stay in the communion of the saints. That place there is your defense against all evil and death. Baptism marks the boundaries of the church well. So that in God's eyes, you are either baptized and in the church and protected in this fortress of Christ's body from the devil and his minions, or you stand outside the church, outside the kingdom of God, exposed to all the whims, temptations, and punishments of sin, death, and the devil. That's what baptism does. It divides humanity into the saved or the condemned, into the free of Christ or the oppressed of the devil. The only way to the Father is Christ crucified, and the only way into the body of Christ crucified is through the waters and blood of his side in baptism, where the body of Christ, the church, becomes our lifelong refuge. So that is what we mean and confess when we say baptism rescues from death and the devil. And finally, we also confess baptism gives eternal salvation to all who believe. This means the life of Christ is not just some history that happened 2,000 years ago. We say this in the litany, his holy nativity, his baptism, fasting, and temptation, his agony and bloody sweat, his cross and passion, his precious death and burial, his glorious resurrection and ascension. All those acts of salvation. They're not just historical events that we confess happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, they are historical events that happened, but they're more. In baptism, the life of Christ, the flesh and blood of Christ, his salvation, his saving works, they become our reality, which we now walk and live in today. The old reality of life of sin, that's dead and gone, that's put away forever in the tomb. The new reality of Christ has just begun for us. And that happens in baptism. And we need to understand what this reality means. By the incarnation, you are joined to Christ's flesh and blood, which makes his incarnation your reality. By the incarnation, the Old Testament scriptures are not just ancient stories. But by his flesh and blood, the Old Testament is Christ's ancestry, genealogy, and family story. And now in baptism, as you are baptized into the flesh and blood of Christ, that also makes the Old Testament story your ancestry, your genealogy. It makes it your family story, the family story of the church, which also means in baptism we are given the life of Christ, meaning everything that happened in his life is also what happened to us. At his baptism, he was proclaimed the Son of God from heaven, and now baptized, we are also proclaimed sons of God from heaven. He won victory over sin, death, and the devil, and that victory has been given to us. He died because of our sin and to our sin, and now we are dead to sin. He rose to newness of life in the glory of God, and we will also rise in him. And we don't have to wait for the resurrection to begin living this new life in Christ. Baptized, we are justified, and we're being made holy even now. We are justified, and we are being made 
by the word in the water, by catechesis and baptism. We are being made like clay into the image of Christ crucified. Eternal salvation, eternal life. That's your reality right now. Even as we wait for the resurrection on the last day, baptism is our reality even right now. It will be our reality forever. We confess baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. So let's ask again, is baptism necessary for salvation? Well, think of it. Is there any other antidote or cure for original sin? Is there any other refuge you can find as your sure defense against death and the devil? Is there any other promise you can find that will give you eternal life and salvation? No, there isn't. All of that is found only in baptism. Without baptism, we remain in this radical, all-encompassing corruption of original sin. We remain at the mercy of the flesh, the world, and the devil. Without baptism, we remain in eternal death. Only baptism cures all these. Because when we ask, is baptism necessary for salvation? What we're really asking is, is Christ necessary for salvation? Because Christ is the content of baptism. And of course, Christ is necessary for our salvation. So then, baptism is necessary for our salvation. Because it is the waters and the word where we are baptized into Christ. If one is to be a Christian, he must be made a Christian in the waters of baptism. But again, there's those exceptions. You might be thinking, what about the child that was miscarried or stillborn? What about the man who desires to be baptized but dies in a car accident on the way to the font? Again, listen to Peter and Acts. The promise of baptism is for you and your children. In the Old Testament, the circumcision of the father was the promise of salvation to the family which created faith in every member of the family. Yet at the same time, the circumcision of the father was also meant for the eight-day-old son to be given to him directly, and likewise as it is for baptism. The baptism of the parents is the promise of salvation to the family, including to those members in utero, to create faith in every member of the family. And yet the baptism of the parents is meant also for the children that are born to be given directly to them, this is not to say that the parents have faith for the children or believe for the children. It's to say the promises given to Christian parents in baptism create faith in the parents and also to the children of those parents. As for others who desire baptism but happen to die before they're able to get to the font, hear these words from St. Augustine who said, It is not the absence of baptism that condemns a person but rather the despising of God's promise in the sacrament. That is, it's unbelief in God's love and mercy in the sacrament which condemns. For any who have faith which cling to the promises of God in baptism, including those in utero or those who die before they reach the waters, there is no condemnation. But the salvation which is promised, that is theirs in faith. And we hear that echoed in Christ's words in Mark. He says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Believes and is baptized. Those two are always connected. But he who does not believe will be condemned. What, does, what condemns? 
Not just lack of baptism, but lack of faith. That's what condemns. So then, all exceptions to salvation apart from baptism, as one theologian put it, if there are truly any exceptions, belong to God, not to us. But for us who suffer from original sin and are helpless against it, baptism is the only remedy given by God, which means baptism, with all the benefits found in it and in it alone, is necessary for salvation. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Jesus said unto the woman of Canaan, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto dogs. And the woman said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs do eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus made answer, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Jesus said unto the woman of Canaan, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto dogs. And the woman said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs do eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus made answer, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send them help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say, more than they watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Forgive, O Lord, the offenses of your people, and show us your mercy, to lead us with righteousness going before in the way of peace. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that, for Jesus' sake, baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as your words and promises declare. Comfort us and strengthen our faith in Jesus with the promise that whoever believes in him and is baptized will be saved. Look mercifully on your people, we beseech you, O Lord, and grant that they who discipline the body by abstaining from carnal food may also, by your grace, cease from harmful vices. O God, who sees that of ourselves we have no strength, Keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created, and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, 
create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all harm and danger. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.